0: You're listening to The Israel Connection on jair Community Radio, broadcasting live on 88FM and streaming on the internet at j-air.com.au. My name is David Schulberg, bringing you another episode of this weekly radio program that provides analysis and insight with important interviews and discussion about Israel. Later in today's show, I speak with Australia-Israel Labor Dialogue's national convener, co-convener Michael Borowick with a wrap-up of what happened at the ALP's national conference last week on the subject of Palestine. Israel is gripped by spiraling gun violence in the Arab community, with four people being gunned down yesterday, one of them a candidate for mayor in the northern town of Abu Snan, as a deadly crime surge in Arab communities continues to shatter record homicide numbers from the past few years. The mass shooting came hours after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu again called to involve the Shin Bet Internal Security Agency in combating violent crime in Arab locales, following the killing of the municipal director of the Arab city of Tira a day earlier. Netanyahu's office later announced that a ministerial panel tasked with fighting against crime in the Arab community would be convening today, Wednesday. Druze leaders have announced a strike in community institutions on Wednesday in response to the killing and blamed the police and government for the lack of security in the north of the country. Today, every citizen of the Arab community in Israel lives in terrible fear, heavy grief and deep anxiety. Each of those murdered is a complete world to their family and loved ones, President Isaac Herzog said after the quadruple homicide. This is an emergency that requires decisive measures by the state to eradicate crime and violence and prevent the further loss of life. The Abraham Initiative strives to fulfill the promise of full and equal citizenship and complete equality of social and political rights for Israel's Jewish and Arab citizens, as embodied in Israel's Declaration of Independence a state which is the national homeland of the Jewish people and the full, complete and equal home for its Arab-Palestinian national minority, a state that is envisaged to one day exist peacefully alongside a Palestinian state, fulfilling the national aspirations of the Palestinian people. That is the mission and vision of the Abraham Initiatives, a non-profit organization based in Lod in Israel, New York City and London. After six years of serving on the Abraham Initiatives International Board, Dr. Tabit Abu Ras joined as co CEO in 2014. Dr. Abu Ras has significantly strengthened the Abraham Initiative's practical and strategic partnerships with key public and political figures, leaders in Arab society, and advocated programs and directives at the highest levels of government. His expert knowledge, strategic positioning, and experience in the field have directly impacted the breadth, programmatic impact, and Direction of the organization's work, transforming the landscape of Jewish Arab relations in Israel. I'm welcoming Dr. Tabit Abu Ras to the Israel Connection. It's a pleasure to have you on the program, Tabit. Thank you. Tabit, please tell me a little bit about yourself and the role you have with the Abraham initiatives.
1: Yeah, well, I am uh, Dr. Thabit Ras. I originated in the town, Arab town, called Kalansawa, and just 25 miles northeast of Tel Aviv. Uh, I got my PhD, graduated from University of Arizona as a political geographer, also expert in the Middle East. Uh, actually, I uh, decided 25 years ago just to leave Academy in favor of working uh, in NGOs in the civic society. I just wanted to influence people. I joined the Abraham Initiatives in 2008 as a board member of the organization, and then I moved to be the co-executive director. I was elected as a co-executive director of the Abraham Initiatives. It was it used to be the Abraham Fund Initiatives. It was actually a fund that moved to be uh, the Abraham Initiatives, just an NGO that uh, really raised its own money and has its own uh, projects uh, in Israel. So what is the mission of your organization, the Abraham
0: Initiatives? Just in a nutshell, please, yeah,
1: well Yeah, well, the Abraham Initiatives actually is a, a, a policy change organization trying to build a shared society and share the future for Jewish, Jewish and Arab, uh, actually, citizen of the State of Israel, we don't have anything cross-border. It's a Jewish Arab organizations, in terms of uh, staff, leaders and lay leaders. Our mission is uh, to build, uh, actually, to promote quality and integration between Jews and Arabs uh, in Israel. So, since a couple of years ago, we
0: uh, had the Abraham Accords. Is that uh had any influence upon uh, your organization or does it cause any confusion?
1: Well, yeah, it's causing uh, some confusions. Uh, we, we all use the uh, Prophet Abraham name and uh, nothing. we have nothing to do with the Abraham Accords of uh, the United Arab Emirates and other states with Israel. We welcome uh, any peace between Israel and the Palestinians, any peace between Israel and the Arab countries, but we uh, have... Uh, Actually, we are concentrating and working inside Israel uh, with the Arab and Jewish citizens of the state of of Israel. Again, we don't have anything uh, across border So you don't
0: deal with uh, Arab Palestinians in uh, any of the territories? No, not at all. Not at all. Now, I uh, noticed that a couple of months ago you addressed a crowd protesting against judicial overhaul in Israel, which has been a burning issue for... uh, quite uh, some time now uh, why are you opposed to the judicial reforms that are being considered
1: well i believe that the ju- judicial reforms from the first day we said it's about expanding the jewishness of the state and its democratic values and i think that the judicial reforms as uh, suggested with the, today with over one 220 different uh, uh bills introducing bill new bills articles it's actually it's an attack on minorities we believe that when israel is becoming less democratic country means less equality and we are trying to promote all the time equality between jews and arabs in the country nobody can uh, deny the fact that there is a discrimination in israel between different groups mainly between arabs and jews so uh, honestly i went there i was invited to talk about specific uh, uh, topic which is crime and violence uh, within the arab community and combating crime uh, crime and violence uh, i think that crime and violence is really a big uh, obstacle for building a shared society and share the future for the state of israel so you don't
0: have any uh, problems with the israel supreme court you feel as though it's uh done
1: uh, fair, fair service as far as the Arab community is concerned? No, there are several reasons why we are really opposing the uh, judicial reform. Yes, we think that the attack in Supreme Court, it's not uh, the right thing in a, for a healthy and just society. And uh, uh, we have a lot to say, a lot of criticism Uh, Regarding the Supreme Court, I don't think that the Supreme Court made the justice with us always in all cases. But still, it's a symbol of really a a true and healthy democracy. Still, we are whenever there is a problem uh, with the Arab community, we still we are petitioning the Supreme Court and we are getting some aid. And I think any deterioration of the status of the High Court can bring about the deterioration of uh, the Arab community, I will give one example. Well, we see that one of the uh, bills that introduced right now is just uh, trying to give the power of uh, deciding uh, for political parties to run in the coming Knesset for the National Election Committee. So uh, just imagine that the National Election Committee can decide who's gonna run from the Arab community or not. We saw in the last, at least the last decade, that in many cases, the National Election Committee did cancel. uh, They didn't give the uh, access to some, the National Arab Party, for example. And each time the National Arab Party ballot did uh, a petition to the Supreme Court. And each time the Supreme Court allowed the National Party to participate in the election. So there is a lot of benefits. In terms of the issue of democracy, it's really we can talk about half a full glass of water, and we don't want to lose this half uh, full full half glass of water. We can lose it if this uh, actually actually judicial reform is approved.
0: Okay, I didn't want to go into uh, the judicial overhaul program in in great detail, but I just wanted to catch your your views as we've just heard. What I would like to go through now is uh, the initiatives that drive your organisation that are listed on your website, and I'm listing them now as I speak. uh, Building safe communities, uh, supporting shared cities, pursuing education for a shared society, making media a shared space, and advancing policy in the national arena. So let's go through some of these. The first uh, cab off the rank is uh, building safe communities. Now, this is... uh, Obviously, uh, a very important one, because those protesting the judicial overhaul program of the Netanyahu government are not the only ones who have been taken to the streets lately. A week ago, some 5,000 participants rallied in Tel Aviv, carrying 140 caskets representing those killed since the beginning of the year, accusing officials of ignoring Arab-on-Arab crime. Israeli authorities have largely failed to stem the wave of violent crime engulfing the Arab community in Israel in recent years, with many accusing the police of largely ignoring the violence. And experts say the wave has been largely fueled by organised criminal groups and sustained by decades of official neglect and discrimination by the state. What would you say? Do you think, uh, as has been claimed, that uh, police are capable of cracking down on crime but they're unwilling to do so for the Arab community?
1: Well, I believe that last year uh, we saw with the same police, uh, without establishing National Guard, with the same budget actually, without changing anything in the order of the police, the police did start to give some hope by declining the number, combating uh, organized uh, crime uh, organizations, uh, criminal organizations, And we saw that uh, there is a decline in number of casualties, number of victims within the Arab community. This uh, gave us hope at that time. But then with this government, we see something else is uh, taking place. Yes, I believe that uh, changing policy in the governmental level and in the national security ministry, toward the Arab community in terms of guaranteeing public safety. I cannot really say that everything happened in the last year, but because there are deep causes for the crime and violence. So we need the government to take the right decisions. And we saw that the last government started uh, allocated a huge budget to try to bridge the gaps between Arabs and Jews actually to, to deal with the deep, deep causes of the crime. But also we need the police. The police, without building a trust with the Arab community, it's not going to work. It's very important to build a trust. There is a, it's a rift, a, a deep rift between Arab community and the police. I think that the Israeli police right now is weak and has different policy. It's a shrinking in number of police personnel. Much of the police forces really working in the occupied territories in East Jerusalem and not in the uh, Arab towns. Uh, We saw last year really a lot of police patrol when we felt a little bit of uh, safety. Now something else is happening within the Arab community. Arab community, Arab towns is kind of exterritorial within the state of Israel. We don't see the police that that much. So we would like to see the, the police is working hard to chase organize, uh, crime organizations. But also with, we really would like to see the government is investing more and more in the Arab community and not to marginalize, alienate, and discriminate against the Arab community as it's happening under the current government. Uh, you uh, heard uh, about the uh, uh, Smotrich move of freezing some of the money allocated for the Arab community. I think it's a kind of declaring war in the Arab community. We need this money. We need to to bridge the gaps between uh, between Jews and Arabs in the country. We need to develop economically Arab towns. After all, we are citizens of the state of Israel. We are paying taxes and we entitled to the same rights like a Jewish people. This is not happening. But if I am already mentioning that, I believe that we, the Arab community, uh, actually uh, should take more responsibility, should be more active, and we should cooperate. I believe that the Arab community, the government and the police should cooperate more and more to crack down in the, uh, this issue and, uh, Again, uh, the the, the big issue uh, that Arab community is becoming extraterritorial within the state of Israel. The illegal weapons is everywhere. You can purchase uh, illegal arms everywhere. Uh, Nobody cares about this issue. So we really need a lot of help from the government. And all in all, I would say the police is in charge of guaranteeing safe community. So safe uh, personal safety for everybody in the country.
0: There's a problem I think you might have hinted at. There's um, a lack of trust uh, from a number of uh, people in the Arab communities ab- about the police. It's not just a question of yeah. police numbers.
1: Yes, actually, the issue is trust. It's really issue. We are in the Abraham initiatives. We are conducting from time to time surveys to ask people about the degree of satisfaction from the police. I know that it's a problem almost all over the, the world. It's in all countries, especially in deeply divided societies, uh, the issue of the police is real issue, a very sensitive issue. But here, uh, the issue is really the police is not uh, uh, the it, it's it caught, it, it's caught between the rock and the hardy place. You know, the police had uh, a, a security component in its work. Uh, we are witnessing sometimes over policing and sometimes under policing and it's not a civic police like in many other democratic countries the security component is very uh, strong here in israel because you are palestinian citizen of the state of israel we are in term of nationality we are part of the palestinian people so the police are treating us as as enemies sometimes i'm not saying that will uh uh, an official uh, investigating committee or commission in 2003, uh, just stated that, so we have to build a trust. Uh, the police should work harder to build a trust. And the best way to do it is just to reveal more and more, to work harder in chasing uh, uh, crime organizations and to bring about lowering the number of victims of crime and violence within the Arab community. Yeah, well said.
0: So, so moving on to your initiative of uh, supporting shared cities, Your co-deputy CEO of program, Shahira Shalabi, was involved only a couple of days ago in a webinar on the topic of mixed cities in Israel, held in conjunction with Americans for Peace Now. Unfortunately, I missed it. Hopefully, uh, it might be uh, made available as a a YouTube recording. But uh, nowhere do Jewish and Arab citizens live in closer proximity than in Israel's seven mixed cities. Despite the potential for friction and conflict, these communities offer unique opportunities for collaboration and partnership and I understand that for the first time the 2018 municipal elections in Israel resulted in Jewish-Arab City Council coalitions in every mixed city. Your organization launched the Shared Cities Initiative to ensure the success of these nascent political partnerships. What does this initiative entail?
1: Yeah, well, uh, it, 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 actually, it's not about the seven mixed cities. That five of them used to be Palestinian cities before 1948. And now they are the Palestinian cities of the state of Israel. And those cities are minority in terms of uh, residents. But we are talking about the whole state of Israel. Uh, Israel is becoming more and more uh, mixed. It's very small in terms of geography and now in the last uh, decade following the a lot of investment that went to the arab uh, community and we see that a middle class the arab middle class is expanding and actually immigrating moving to jewish cities so we are, today we are talking about not only about seven mixed cities we are talking about jewish cities that are really becoming more mixed and like nova galil uh, uh, that built for jewish immigrants in the 1960, and now it's becoming uh, mixed cities with 35% of the total residents of North Galil are Arabs. And they add to that, we are talking about regionalism, mixed regions. The whole uh, notion of uh, regional councils in Israel now, it's a Jewish and Arab uh, residents living in those uh, councils. What's missing really, it's a model of uh, uh, living uh, living together. How we would like to manage life when Jews and Arabs are living together and have sometimes different, different occasions, different way of life. How are we going to manage that? Still in Israel, the, the, neither there is a, a definition for a mixed city, nor real public policy how to deal with things. I would like just to give a good example. Four years ago, the Yom Kippur, the Jewish uh, the holiest Jewish holiday, okay, overlapped with the sacrificing Muslim uh, day of Eid al-Adha, where Muslims supposed to uh, actually sacrifice and uh, slaughter a lamb and uh, just uh, have a lot of fun, uh, fireworks, visiting friends and relatives. In the same time, Jews have to stay to to fast and and stay uh, in uh, synagogues. Now imagine the life of Jews and Arabs living in the mixed city of Lod, They are uh, living in one uh, four-story buildings, Jews and Arabs together. Which policy we should dictate there? Arabs uh, have the right just to celebrate their own festive, their, their holiday, and Jews have to get a lot of respect for their holiest day. So we managed actually uh, at that time to suggest to the uh, mayor of Lod. To, to conduct certain policy, a compromise policy. We invited the rabbis, two rabbis, chief rabbis in Israel. We invited uh, Arab and Muslim Qadis and the MKs and for a joint call for a, a mutual respect, for tolerance. And th- this is really past great. Now in our, actually a project, we are looking for a model, how to run an equal city how we are making a mixed city, a shared city, how Jews and Arabs can live in one city in equal foot without discrimination. Now we see in lot for example, there is uneven development. We see that Jewish uh, neighborhoods are uh, flourishing while Arab uh, neighborhood neighborhoods still without uh, master planning. We are trying actually First of all, to bring Arabs and Jews to talk with each other. We are pushing for uh, uh, Arab Jewish coalitions in the uh, local uh, level, in the municipal level. So this can be a model for a shared working or political partnership in the actually in the national level. We are trying to learn from the experience of other cities around the world how Belfast and uh, the Irish uh, North Irish uh, city of Belfast, Catholic and Protestant, how they deal in such occasions. So for the bad and for the good, we are trying to learn from the experience of other nations. This is why last year we took a delegation of Jewish and Arab counselors from the mixed cities to Belfast to learn from the experience of the Irish people. And so uh, we are about building a model of how to run an equal and shared city in Israel.
0: Well, that's uh, very encouraging uh, what you are just telling us there, uh, Tabit.
1: Now, moving on to
0: your initiative of education for a shared society. One of your principal initiatives is to encourage cooperative education by building partnerships between Jewish and Arab schools. You've had the experience of being a co-chair of the board of the hand-to-hand schools in Israel. Are these uh, schools uh, an example of what uh, is the type of uh, positive interaction that you would like to see between
1: uh, Arab and, and, and Jewish students in schools. Well we are trying to make our efforts in in a very uh, segregated segregated education system in Israel it's not it's about different education system between Arabs and Jews different education streams in israel there are five of them five different education streams there is uh, the public education there is the religious public education there is a heretic education and also there is an arab education so we believe that we what we need uh, one education system that taking in its consideration the uh, the culture the the religion the other things but at least one system that uh, uh, maybe we can then go to sub systems but right now the uh, the education system and the segregation education is bringing about a total people don't know each other right now a heredic Jew and uh, a secular Jew liberal Jew they are meeting only in the university the same thing with the Arabs If the Haredic Jews are going to universities, but in the case of the Arabs, okay, they are growing so close to each other in terms of uh, geography, Arab towns, Jewish towns, yet they are actually meeting only in the university. After uh, high school, the Jewish kid goes to the army, serving the army, Arabs are going to study. So it's a problem. It's a problem. Actually, this is how uh, uh, society can be fragmented and can have a lot of prejudice toward the others. So we are trying actually to build a shared society. You have to bring the people together. Now, since there are several uh, uh, actual and segregated education streams, we are working hard to bring people to meet and to talk. So this is why we had this uh, the so-called joint learning, shared learning. Kids are meeting at least uh, bi-weekly, once in an Arab school, the two weeks after in a Jewish school, and they are studying English together. We took a neutral subject. They are not studying history or geography. They are studying English together, and they uh, uh, taught by two teachers, a Jewish and Arab teachers together. This is one way to try to bring kids together, but actually, there is a hand in hand that you mentioned and I, I used to be co-chair, uh, co-chair of the board of hand in hand for several years. and we believe that you cannot build a shared society without bringing Arab and Jewish kids to study together. So we would like all the time we are pushing to promote uh, kids to meet and to talk and to eat to know each other. and now hand in hand it's, it's at some model, only one model, of uh, uh, shared learning and uh, i'm happy that hand in hand is there just to teach everything including the narratives the palestinian narrative and the jewish narrative zionist narrative is just a great this is why people can know each other right now even we are trying we have a project called fighting uh, racism within uh, arab schools uh, and jewish schools uh, listen the deterioration and the prejudice within the young people, Jews as well as Arabs, it's really very alarming. So right now I'm telling you that we have a project that we are sending a Haredic Jew to Bedouin high school to explain what's Haredic Jews all about? Well, those this, this people, who are these people? Why they have this kind of, uh, wearing this kind of uh, clothes and this kind of things? Arab kids don't know, okay? Anything about the Kib- the Kibbutzim movement movement for example? What's Ethiopian all about? We are not familiar with the uh, black Jews. Okay, so at the same time with the uh, actually with the Jewish people, Jewish young people, they don't know anything about the Nakba, for example. That the, uh, they have to know that our history also. That we are for us this place is not only our country, our state Israel. It's our homeland. We are originated here. It's so important to know all of this country that we have different languages, Arabic language, different culture, and this kind of things. So we have to work hard to build the shared society. We need all of these pillars. Uh, the Abraham initiatives 15 years ago started a great project of teaching uh, spoken Arabic to Jewish kids in uh, elementary schools. Just imagine an Arab or Muslim teacher coming covering her head, entering Jewish school and teaching Arabic and spoken Arabic and Arabic culture just to explain what's uh, fasting, the holy holy month of Ramadan, what's fasting and this kind of things. Unfortunately, this is ended just five years ago with partial success because, uh, yes, the minister of education did adopt our model, yet they said. Your demand that only Arab teachers should teach there. It's not acceptable for us. It's kind of uh, uh, discrimination, discrimination against Jewish teachers. Well, we would love to see everybody, all Jewish community to, uh, know, knowing Arabic language is good. After all, Arab minorities consist 20% total population. There are some Jews who are speaking Arabic, but also Israel should, as a country, should look strategically about the region. Now they are making uh, agreements with the, the now they they are talking about Saudi Arabia, but they have uh, the Abraham Accord with the Gulf States, peace with the with the with the Egypt, with Jordan, with Morocco. It's it's a strategically uh, step to to teach Arabic uh, within Israel. So we are promoting all of these things because of a lot of politics, because of occupation, because of the occupied territories and the conflict between Palestinians and Israelis. Really, we don't see a lot of good steps. We are kind of swimming against the stream. But I believe one day we will be the stream itself. We will succeed to do it because Jews are here, uh, are here to stay. The same thing with Palestinians are here to stay. And we have to find a way to live together. Share society and share the future must be there for all people, Jews as well as Arabs. Yes, yes. Now, the other initiative
0: that I want to get to, another couple, uh, is the one regarding the visibility of Arab society in the Israeli mainstream media. Are you getting enough exposure through mainstream media? Is that an area that you're working on?
1: Yes. Listen, media is so important tool to raise awareness and to know each other Unfortunately, the Arab minority uh, uh, doesn't have a lot of influence with media. So our uh, organization, the Abraham Initiative, is working hard to familiarize the, the Hebrew media with the Arab community. How we are doing that? We are, first of all, offering Arabic courses for media people. Then we taking those uh, journalists to to study tours in the Arab community. By doing that, we are actually strengthening our relationship with media outlets, with media people. And this way, they, we are becoming uh, um, an anchor. We are becoming an important organization for to, us to feed these uh, media outlets with a lot of information to assist them to reach out to the Arab community, to bring the Arab community challenges that the Arabs are really facing to the Hebrew media and uh, we are happy that we have a great relationship with all Israeli Hebrew outlets uh, media outlets and uh, we think that we are reaching out to top uh, media experts and officials and uh, actual representatives in the media, uh, journalists in the media so this is the way we are doing that Summing up uh, with the last
0: initiative that you have in the area of policy, what steps are you taking to get Israel's decision makers to improve the representation and participation of Arabs in Israeli society? In other words, to prioritize your concerns in particular.
1: Yeah, well, policy is so important. And uh, listen, just to min- to mention that again, we believe that Arab community, Arab citizens, state of Israel, who consists of 20% of the population, should be in, in all realms of society. We are happy to see Arabs in the health system, for example, with the huge numbers, okay? We are making up 20% of the population, yet we are 25% of the doctors in Israel. We are 50% of the pharmacists. Yes. In Israel, we are forty percent of the uh, nurses in Israel. Well, Arabs should be everywhere. Right now, we see the improvement. Arabs and Jews are meeting in everywhere. Uh, they are working. There is uh, in. They are actually in the campuses, in the universities, colleges. We see Arabs and Jews are meeting in the public spaces, in uh, in workplaces. So. The most important thing that would like see Arabs in politics for us to see Arabs are part of the political system. It's good for Israel. It's good for the Arabs themselves, just to influence uh, the decision maker, uh, making process in Israel. This is why uh, we are encouraging Arabs to participate in the election and to turn out their votes in, in the election day. We are encouraging uh, the government. To take more and more Arabs to absorb more Arabs workers in the public sector, not only in the private sector, but but also in the public sector today. Fifteen percent of the total workers, uh, total employees in the public sector in Israel are Arabs. Okay, this wasn't the case ten years ago, which was seven eight years uh, seven eight percent only. Mm. So. In terms of policy, we are working with the government itself. We are working with the prime Minister office. We suggested to the prime Minister office three years ago to adopt a plan of combating crime and violence. And they did change a few things, but they adopted a plan that we suggested three years ago. We are working with all governmental levels. Unfortunately, not with this government, but also we are working with the Arab leadership arab mks arab mayors try to bring the parties to work together okay so representation and participation and we are saying that we would like to see arabs not only in the knesset uh, as uh, mks and as voters we'd like to see arabs engage in uh, even in a uh, board of uh, deputies uh, board members and ngos would like to see them in in the route in uh, universities and uh, everywhere everywhere this is a very important component in building shared society and share the future. When you see the minorities, in this case the Arabs, okay, uh, really part of the decision-making process, part of the decision-makers in every realm of society. Well, you've given um, my audience
0: a rather unique perspective uh, on on this show. I don't delve uh, really that much into what happens uh, in the uh, Arab communities uh, within Israel, and I really value. The insight you've given uh, me and my audience today on uh, on many very important issues that affect the whole of society in Israel. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to an interview I recorded with Dr. Tarbit Abu Ras, who serves as co-CEO of the organisation, the Abraham Initiatives. Hundreds of Arab Israeli leaders and activists protested outside Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's office in Jerusalem on Monday in furious defiance of a controversial decision by Finance Minister Bezalel Smotrich to withhold more than $50 million in funding from Arab municipalities. The protesters claimed that the decision was unfair and would have devastating effects on their communities. The demonstrators, around 400 leaders of Arab localities and Arab members of the Knesset, clashed violently with the police as they demanded that the frozen funds be released. The protest came after a warning strike on Monday morning in Arab towns, which was joined by the Israeli Federation of Local Authorities. Smotrich responded to the strike by promising action to prevent the reckless and irresponsible strike. I won't cave into pressure and threats, he said. Smotrich has defended the budget cuts by claiming that without proper oversight, the money would end up in the hands of organised criminal groups, something that the leaders of the Arab community in Israel vehemently deny. The funds, which are aimed at boosting the economy, upgrading infrastructure and fighting crime in Arab communities, were approved by the previous government, which included the Islamist Ram party alongside left-wing, centrist and right wing parties. Now there's an expression in Arabic, nusnus, that roughly translates to so-so or half-and-half. It's also the title of a track by 28-year-old Noam Tureli, a Jewish-Israeli hip-hop artist from Jerusalem, whose debut album is being released this summer in Israel. There are many songs that mix both Hebrew and Arab lyrics, but Tureli says that they usually miss the point. People end up learning only the verses they understand and ignoring the rest. Therefore, Tureli is trying something different. I wanted to make a song that you cannot ignore the other side, he said. So I do a line in Hebrew, a line in Arabic, and it's not a line in translation. He explained that each line is a continuation of the song that can only be understood in its entirety if you understand both languages. And this is the point of the song, he added. If you don't understand both languages, you can't understand fully what's happening in your own country. If you don't know how to talk, we won't stop being afraid, he raps on the track. His video was shot in Jerusalem's old city. But Suri Ali's Nusnus hasn't come without criticism. Some people have attacked him online as a naive lefty. He said, though, that he doesn't let it bother him. I'm not talking about, is the Israeli side wrong or the Palestinian side wrong? This is not my job, to preach to people what to believe, he said. My job is to do good in this world. And for me, telling them, yo, it doesn't matter which side of the conflict you're on, you need to learn to speak with the other side. Suri Ali said this dawned on him during his mandatory army service when he served in the Israeli-occupied West Bank and found himself face-to-face with Palestinian civilians. It was then that he realized that speaking to each other is the only way for the two sides to ever learn to live together.
1: If it's man for all things, it's man for me. Handle the time, it's important. The, the I mean, whole world, no politics, just small, no center, no right, no wrong. In Syria, out, the biggest failure. And if I'm telling the truth, I'm telling you. I'm afraid to go out in the street, or I don't understand what they're talking about. A million things, but the truth is, I don't
0: Now, my next guest, a committed unionist and former ACTU assistant secretary, Michael Borowick, is co-national convener of the Australia-Israel Labour Dialogue. In my interview with him, we review the outcome of discussion about Palestine that took place at Labour's national conference last week. I welcome you, Michael Borowick, to the Israel Connection on JA Community Radio in Melbourne, Australia. To have you on the program, Michael.
2: Thanks, David. Thanks for having
0: me. Now, Michael, you're associated with a body that identifies itself as the Australia-Israel Labour Dialogue. Could you please tell the
2: listeners a little about your organisation? Sure, David. Happy to do that. Well, the labour movements in Israel and Australia have had a quite a strong bond since 1948. Labour was in government, obviously, when petition plan was devised and Dr. Evert was the general president of the UN General Assembly. Those bonds have continued since that time through every Labor leader in Australia. Of course, the, the connection was particularly strong during the period when Bob Hawke was the federal president of the ALP and uh, president of the ACTU. And he was a frequent visitor to Israel and had extensive networks and and connections to the labor movement in Israel, both in the trade unions and in the political wing, the Labour Party. You promote
0: dialogue and build international solidarity, and you don't just focus solely on the uh, Israeli-Arab conflict, which today I actually prefer to call the
2: Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I think it's kind of changed its complexion a bit. Yes, that's right. We don't have a view about the conflict, nor are we uh, restricted to it. I find when I introduce Labor activists in Israel and Australia together, it doesn't take very long for them to realise that uh, how much they have in common, whether it's about social justice or other policy considerations. Uh, we have a lot in common with um, our Israeli counterparts, and it's a great conversation. Within um, supporters of uh, Israel and the Labor movement in Australia, there's a whole range of views about the Israel-Palestinian conflict, and we don't push a particular line. So you don't even say that
0: uh, you support a two-state solution or anything anything like that amongst uh, your
2: policy statements? Well, we do support a two-state solution, obviously. It's something that's accepted Labor policy in Israel. It was uh, Labor governments in Israel that uh, breached the the Oslo Accords. So um, we're very much in favor of the two-state solution. But of course it's up to israel to decide it's it's not something yes. that we can decide in australia it's um we're not israeli and uh, we don't live there and it's something for israel to to determine the manner it sees fit
0: how do you put your camaraderie with the labor movement in israel into practice what do you do uh, do you send missions to israel do you organize um events uh, in concurrency with them what what would actually how do you show your uh connection with the movement
2: there in israel we've run several missions to israel since 2010 that was the year that we were formed they're oversubscribed lots of people want to go to israel unfortunately we can only take a small percentage but we'll, we love taking groups to israel our labor party activists and trade union activists in australia because there's nothing like seeing Israel for itself. And, of course, once people are there, Israel sells, sells itself. It, there's no substitute for it, as I say. We have brought some Israelis here. We were involved in a visit by Moshe Herzog to Australia a, a few years ago. We, we didn't sponsor it, but we certainly helped and encouraged the visit. It was a great success. He met with uh, then-Shadow Foreign Minister Penny Wong. In 2014, we sponsored a visit to Australia by Hillel Bar, who was the Secretary-General of the Israeli Labor Party and a Deputy Speaker of the Knesset at that time. And more recently, Aran Hamoni, the current Secretary-General of the Israeli Labor Party, visited Australia as a guest of Australia-Israel Labor Dialogue. And these visits are vitally important for Labor MPs, both at a federal and state and territory level, senior party office holders and, and general party activists to meet Israelis to sit down and have that conversation. To explore the many things, as I said, that we have in common. And of course, for all those difficult questions to be asked. And when we go to Israel for our mission program, which unfortunately has been disrupted by COVID, when we go to Israel, Israelis, of course, are very sophisticated. They're used the international groups cycling through, and they're more than happy to answer all the difficult questions. So it's a really good opportunity. Unfortunately, we don't have the funding for a program that would allow absolutely everyone to go who, who wants to go. But of course, we have to make a decision of who goes, and unfortunately it's not possible to take everybody.
0: Just tell me, with the diminishing strength of the Labor movement in Israel, certainly in in, in the political sphere, has that had an impact on uh, your relationship with the movement in Israel?
2: Well, I think whilst the parliamentary representation of the Labor Party uh, has decreased in Israel, there's still a vital political force Of course, the the HISTATRUT, the Trade Union Federation, has one of the highest union densities uh, in the world, and it's very active. We hope that the Labor movement uh, has a revival in Israel. Certainly, the the current circumstances makes you think that that should happen sooner rather than later.
0: Okay. You're you're certainly hoping, I guess. Now, in the build-up to Labor's national conference, which took place at uh, the Brisbane Convention Centre from Thursday last week until Saturday... The Australia-Israel Labor Dialogue was warning us of what Labor was threatening to do. And I'm uh, referring to uh, what I saw in the media by uh, one of the the co-conveners that you have, uh, Adam Slonim, who wrote uh, in the beginning of July a piece uh, on this very uh, matter. So what actually happened at the conference session that was set aside for talking about Palestine?
2: Well, the debate was really about... When, if and when a Labor government should recognise Palestine as a state. I think a really sensible outcome was uh, achieved at the conference where it's left to the government uh, to decide uh, the timing of any recognition. That was the position of the Prime Minister, that was the position of the Senator Wong, the Foreign Minister, and it's a position that I think uh, was, the, was the best outcome. It's not really for anyone else other than the government of the day who's in the best position to assess all the information at hand, have that vital dialogue with international partners and with the participants or those directly involved in the conflict. Now the government can take its time to consider all the the factors and if and when they think it's appropriate, make a decision to change Australia's position. Okay. Now in that discussion that took
0: place, Maybe you can tell us who actually spoke at the uh, session that that was talking about that subject of recognition of a Palestinian state.
2: I'm not exactly clear on on who the speakers were, but I know there was a lot of input in the lead-up and during the conference, and lots of people were canvassed, including the leadership of the Jewish community, party activists with an interest in, in the Middle East. Of course, Josh Burns, the federal member for McNamara, was a key participant in all those discussions and negotiations, uh, given that he represents uh, the bulk of the Jewish community in Melbourne. So everyone had an opportunity to have input, um, ministers and others, party leaders, trade union officials, and uh, we landed in the the right spot. It's up to the prime minister and on advice, I'm guessing, from his foreign minister as the best time for any change on, on that recognition point, uh, if they think it's uh, something worth pursuing. Yes, you mentioned you didn't
0: quite, you're not quite sure who actually spoke. Um, I understand uh, that as a member of Labor's inner cabinet, Mark Dreyfus, who is the other Jewish Labor member of the government, is, uh, is actually bound by cabinet solidarity to tow the party line on the policy directives that are made by cabinet. Would that have prevented him from, from speaking? One, there's a lot of pressure in the Jewish community on on him to, to to speak out since he is such a prominent member of the Labor Party and being
2: Jewish. David, I think the point I was trying to make earlier was that uh, you don't necessarily have to speak on the conference floor to, to have input and to be influential in the outcome. And I'm sure Mark is involved in all the relevant discussions. So uh, he's a strong supporter of Israel. He's level headed and fair person, and I'm sure he, uh, I can't imagine that the process uh, leading up to and at the conference, um, he wouldn't have been a part of is someone the Jewish community can rely on to be a, a friend of Israel.
0: Okay. As we both know, the major fear was at the conference, of labor driven by this rapacious left in the party would succeed in getting the government to recognize a Palestinian state at this time even though we both would agree that it isn't appropriate at this particular time. In the end, did Penny Wong appease the left wing by giving them a win by the move to change the terminology used by our government by stating that the settlements are illegal under international law and the so-called occupied territories would now be referred to as the occupied Palestinian
2: territories? David, I think it's more sophisticated than that. Support for Israel is not limited to any one faction. And nor is opposition to Israel limited to any one faction. That might have been the prism uh, years ago, but it's not relevant now. In various states and territories, within various groupings within the party, you'll find supporters of Israel and you'll find people who support Israel being an independent state but don't necessarily agree with every action or pronouncement of the Israeli government. And then you've got people that I suppose um, aren't convinced by the, by the argument for a Jewish homeland. It's nuanced, you can't say necessarily that one faction is always opposed or one faction is always um, in favour. It's it's nuanced and, it's, and uh, you've got to have a more sophisticated reading of that. In terms of Senator Wong's actions, I think that uh, there is frustration across the globe with um, settlement building in, in Israel. It's even uh, a cause of controversy and, and st- strong debate within the Israeli body politic itself.
0: How much did getting acceptance of the AUKUS arrangement feature in the strategy by Labor's leadership to keep Labor's left wing from, from spitting the dummy on this?
2: No, I don't I don't think that the issues were linked at all. I don't think there's any evidence to, to suggest that it was. I think the party's more sophisticated than that and uh, the debate's at a higher level was,
0: issues, I think, prior to the conference, there was a lot of suggestion. There was this sort of uh, dealing going on uh, behind behind closed doors to uh, to satisfy um, the parties in terms of what they wanted to uh, achieve. The different um, factions wanted to achieve. But you don't think that the, was really what happened.
2: Israel Palestinian conflict is is. Um, is a foreign policy matter that the issue is really about Australia what's in Australia's best interest in terms of self-defense and uh they're not really on a par hmm. so
0: where to from here as far as labor is concerned on on Palestine you have suggested or you have indicated rather that it's up to the government I think the government will be watching what's going on on the international arena and and acting in that fashion, uh, we would hope, I, I feel, that they wouldn't take some kind of unilateral uh, steps in terms of recognition of uh, state of Palestine, since there's only one other Western country that has done that, and uh, their foreign minister even uh, has, has had, has expressed in the last couple of years, uh, reservations about them having actually done that. So there would be no other country at the moment which would uh, be uh, supporting it in the
2: in the western sphere yeah i think you've, you've identified a really good point that australia is in sync with our major uh, allies in in the west let's hope that australia continues to to, to be in step with our, with our major allies and i expect before the government did if the government was to make a change they'd do that in consultation with our allies and, and partners i think from what i've heard over the last few days and is, and sort of supported by the line of questioning tonight, David, is that there's a deal of confusion and, and frustration amongst the Jewish community in Australia about what the Labor government's up to or might be up to. I had the opportunity just recently to address um, some Jewish political student political leaders, and I made the point to them that there's no substitute for being involved in, in politics, uh, whether it's on the Labor side or the Liberal side or, or wherever. Israel needs supporters in all the political parties in Australia. One of the great things about Australia is that support for Israel is and always has been a bipartisan issue. And people who feel that perhaps Labor isn't doing the right thing by Israel should get involved in the ALP, join up, have their say, put the arguments forward, be part of the debate, part of the movement. Armchair critics don't really help much. So for people that um, want to make Labor or ensure Labor remains a strong supporter of Israel, which it is. They need to get involved and they need to work work on that with, with others uh, in Australia-Israel Labor Dialogue or in, a, or in other like organisations.
0: Well, then uh, most certainly uh, you're interested in, in in getting support for the work of uh, australian israel Labor Dialogue. I, I understand uh, from, from what you've just said, and uh, I'm going to... Uh, mentioned that uh, that you are keen to get uh, support in in terms of body and, and financially, and uh, I guess those who want to help should uh, make contact with your organisation by attending and uh, being active in your events and by donating funds to support the work you do.
2: Yes, Israel advocacy is, is, is always important and it's something uh, we should never, uh, as a community shy away from and people just need to get involved and, and be part of it. And it's a great way to meet like-minded uh, people in, in the Labor movement in Israel, uh, who we have a great deal in common with. They very much, uh, they know about Australia. They love coming here. They love dealing with Australians. They understand the support that they have from Australia in since 1948 and and uh, the bonds that have uh, existed from ever right through every Labor leader uh, to the current Prime Minister who's always been an opponent of the BDS campaign and a, a supporter of Israel. And I think he demonstrated, he and Senator Wong demonstrated last week uh, the type of friends they are to, to Israel.
0: Well, different uh, prime ministers that we uh, have, uh, speaking on the Labor side, don't necessarily support Israel as, as strongly as, as as each other. Some are stronger supporters like you in, uh, intimated with, with Bob Hawke. Of course, Bob Hawke did stray a little bit towards uh, the end. I believe uh, there was a, a session where he turned up at the concert hall in in Melbourne and disturbed uh, the Jewish community quite a lot by pronouncements he made. I can't remember the exact date, but I know that that event took place and he wasn't such a strong supporter from that point on. But I've seen uh, statements that Albanese's has made over, over the years and I wouldn't say that he's necessarily um, as strong a supporter as people
2: like uh, Bob Hawke were. Yeah, I don't think it's a beauty contest. But if <laughs> if people if if people want to see the history of Labor's relationship, the ALP's relationship with Israel, it's all on our website. It's clearly documented statements from every Labor leader since nineteen forty eight. So it's all there for people to see. www.aild.org.au. All
0: right. I'll uh, put that out on uh, my Facebook page for, uh, for people to, to check it out. And uh, thank you very much for speaking with me tonight on, uh, on my program,
2: Israel Connection, Michael. Thanks, David. It's been a real pleasure.
0: My next guest, sorry, I was just speaking with Michael Borowick, National Co-Convenor of the Australia-Israel Labor Dialogue, considering the aftermath of ALP's national conference last week. Until next week, it's goodbye from the Israel Connection.